This is the DallasCowboys.com Draft Show. Your war room for insider news and draft analysis from deep within the confines of Cowboys headquarters at the Star in Frisco. The Dallas Cowboys select TD Lamb. Oh, and now, your hosts, Dane Brugler, Jeff Cavanaugh, Kevin Turner, and Kyle Yeomans. We are just over a month away from the NFL draft. 35 days remain until Cleveland, Ohio becomes the center of the NFL world and becomes, well, of course, the center of the NFL draft. And we are the DallasCowboys.com draft show, investigating and educating for all of you out there about these draft prospects, about what the Cowboys might do, and, of course, the updates that come along as well. And we've got plenty of them with pro days and injury news and all sorts of things that we've hit on Tuesday, but I do want to get the the thought process on these three as well. Dane Brugler, Kevin KT Turner, we've got Jeff Cavanaugh, I'm Kyle Yeomans, glad you're with us. And Well, Jeff, I want to talk to you first about this because I just feel like you would have a great answer to it, but I do want to hit the Caleb Farley news again with the back surgery. Wanted to get your take on it really quickly. We won't go in-depth on this, but where, what does the back surgery do and the injury news coming out about Caleb Farley due to his draft stock on you? your board well for me and i think dane will probably be able to speak to for the nfl better but for me personally i would immediately eliminate like we're talking about a top 10 pick and a guy who didn't play last year and even without playing last year had to have a repeat of something to relieve back pain i'm terrified of backs i'm terrified of necks so for me caleb farley just became a guy that i'll keep my eye on it and see what my doctors think and then tell me if he falls all the way to 44 because of it and seeing some of the national guys still mocking him in the top 10 or 12 and saying they don't think it's a big deal i don't know if that's a reflection of the nfl but for me out i like me we're talking jc horn and patrick sartan Mm -hmm. as your corner options at number 10 and caleb farley is out of there that's just me but he's out of there out of there bye well he's gonna fall i mean that he has to um unfortunately and it's it's really too bad the timing of this is interesting um he has not played um, since last season. So having this procedure now, what does that tell you? It tells you something happened, right? Yep. You know, weight training or just his, his workout. So, something happened recently that is causing the timing to be now, and that's, that's, uh, that's a little troublesome. Um, it, it's his second back procedure, um, and this is also a guy that has an ACL uh, tear uh, in college. So factor in all the medical things and i just it's it's tough to see him going in a top 20 top 25 i mean that's just my guess it's, there might be a team that has a much much more of an appetite for risk and are willing that willing to take that chance hmm. um so you never say never but when you just factor in everything i i would be surprised if he goes uh you know at that high talking about in the top half of round one so um, I don't. I, I, I don't have a good answer in terms of where he's going to go because each team is going to view it differently. Each medical staff is going to speak on it differently. We just, you know, t- talking to the conversations I've had with people around the league about it, they've all kind of shrugged their shoulders and said, I, "We just got to wait and see. Just got to wait and see." Um, and a, a lot of them said that he should be able to rehab fine and play. Yeah. But then the question becomes, okay, well, when's when's the next thing pop up? You know, when's well, when's that next thing? And Kyle, let me just throw this in because you asked, like, what does it do on your board? Because yeah. I don't believe in I don't believe in what the Cowboys do with injured guys. Because we I interviewed Will McClay about this one time uh, about the Jalen Smith pick, and he told me like we put the guys on the board where their talent dictates. So like Jalen Smith was in the first round for them, and then when they get to the second round, they go, oh, remember now this guy? Now what should we do with him? And I think that's dead wrong. Um, so for me personally. I'm just assuming exactly what Dane said about Caleb Farley, right? That he's going to have something done to his back, and now that's two. He's had the knee. But I'm going to assume that team doctors are saying, hey, he's going to be all right, and he's going to play football, and it's going to be all good, right? And given that, he is now my cornerback seven. Wow. That's where I put him. Wow. I put him I put him behind the guys that I feel really good about. Horn, Sertan, Newsom, Kelvin Joseph, Asante Samuel, Elijah Molden, and then I'll bet on Farley. He, that, now, I bet NFL teams, somebody's going to take him higher than that, but that's what I would do. Because the other, the other six guys, well, I guess Kelvin Joseph, you have other concerns, and so maybe yep. 
you wouldn't be you wouldn't be there with me. But that's what I would do is I would put him right behind the group of corners that I feel really good about as top forty picks, and then I'll put Farley in. I put him at cornerback four myself. So it's same type of deal. I the cornerbacks I feel really good about, which is Sertan, Horn, Newsom, and then I put Farley. So sorry, KT, go ahead. Well, no, no, no. This is this is where I think like historical context is a little interesting to me because I couldn't find like that back injury situation specifically, but I thought of uh, the Eagles drafting Sidney Jones after the yep. Achilles hit that went pick forty three. The other one I thought of was the which didn't Buffalo work out. Bills. Which did not work out at all. Right. Uh, and the other one I thought of was, I would say probably hasn't worked out very well either, is uh, if you remember Reggie Ragland. Yeah. And that was a heart thing, but that was still a second round you know, pick. Used. Like, for some reason, teams are willing to spend on the second round on those types of things. And, I, you know, again, I haven't done the full, um, you know, injury uh, historical thing on that. But, like, those two immediately came to mind when I thought about this. And I immediately went, well, he's there for you at 45. And I think that is the question. Uh, I'm with Jeff. Like my, my third corner going in was uh, – I mean, my fourth corner before all this happened was Eric Stokes. Well, I will take Eric Stokes before I take Caleb Farley down. Yeah, I think I would too. Newsom was next. I will take Newsom way before I take Caleb Farley. Asante Samuel, I would take him before I took Caleb Farley. Elijah Molden, I would take him before I get to Caleb Farley. The line that I got to was Aaron Robinson, Mel Fonwu, Kelvin Joseph. That's where I go, you know what, I would probably still take Farley over those guys. You know, the thing is, too, it's not black and white. We can learn more about his back in the coming month, too. No, that's a good point. Yeah, well, and the other, uh, another example, Montez Sweat two years ago. Remember, he had the heart uh, issue. And, you know, we were thinking, okay, was he going to fall to the sixth round like the Michigan defensive tackle did? Uh, you know, what – Right, Maurice Hurst. I mean, what, what, where's Montez Sweat going to go? Uh, and he ends up still going in the first round, late first round. And so far, that's worked out okay. He's been a solid to very good player for uh, Washington. So, you know, that's an example of the flip side where the issues, the doubt, the risk was there with, uh, you know, talking about medically, and, you know, worked out okay for, for the Washington football team. Supposed to be a mid-July return, according to Drew Rosenhaus, for Caleb Farley. So that could potentially give these teams a little bit of hope. I wrote about that yesterday on, on the website. But, Dane, I want to put you on the spot here a little bit. And KT made a great point. We're still going to learn about this back surgery and specifics about the medicals as we get up in the final month of this draft. However, if you had to put a percentage on it, what is a percentage that Farley does fall to 44 for the Cowboys? That's the first question. The second question is, would they consider taking him at 44 if they wanted to either double dip at corner or if they didn't take a corner in the first round? I, you know, I don't know. I, I really don't. Because it's just, there have been times when I thought, no way the Cowboys are going to draft this guy or you know, because of injuries mm-hmm. and they've had him on the board. Other times... You know, I've, I, I did not, I wasn't aware of a more serious issue, and the Cowboys didn't have him on the board because of that. He was a box player uh, for them. So, you know, it's, it's hard to say because each one of these medical things are so different from team to team. I would say it's more unlikely than likely that Caleb Farley is there uh, at 44. Mm-hmm. I think he, I think he still goes somewhere top 40. That's that would be my my bet. At this point, just based on what we know, but like KT said, we're going to learn more and more, um, you know. And there's there's a lot of the medical stuff that needs to be hashed out. But I I would say it's more like I don't know eighty twenty. He goes somewhere in the top forty picks. Mm. Okay, good good to know. That's, and that's just my guess. My no informal guess based off of what we know this very second. And that's and can I add to that because I wonder what like part of your question was would you double dip with him at forty four. And I think I would. I think I'd be more scared of having, if you didn't go corner first and then Farley falls in your lap, I'd be more scared of that. Agreed. Because now you're relying on him to be that dude. And I would much rather have him be kind of a bonus where you're like, man, this could really be awesome. But we also picked a different guy. Almost like I hope they do it free safety. I hope they sign KZ, and I hope they pick a guy in the mm-hmm. first three rounds so that they feel good about the spot. I would not want to pick Caleb Farley at 44 if I hadn't picked a corner. Or if I did, I would say, okay, now pick another one. Now, let's talk about those corners that we could pick on the front end of that double dip, and that's Patrick Sertan 
And I guess J.C. Horn is now in that conversation as well. I mean, this is a guy we've talked about for quite some time. I, I mean, we've all been very adamant about having him at least in the top three conversation. Now he's in the top two conversation, or is he maybe even cornerback one, Jeff? I know you put that in our group text. Is that something that you actually believe? Do you think Horn's better than Sertan? Because you wouldn't be alone in that fact. Yeah, and I think the more and longer I do this, the less I kind of get dug in on, like, this guy over this guy and this guy over there. It's more about, to me, kind of the scouting report versus the exactly how you have him stacked. Mm -hmm. But I love J.C. Horn. I love the way that he plays. Uh, I think you're comparing two guys that are three-year starters in the SEC that have been really good football players, and it's just a matter of sort of preference. But my preference is J.C. Horn. I think Sertan's rock solid at pretty much everything. Um, I think if you wanted to compare floors, I think I would probably feel a little bit safer with Sertan. But to me, there's a lot of appeal that J.C. Horn is a guy that gets off the bus or plane or however they travel, and the coach goes, hey, that's their best guy. And J.C. says, gotcha, coach. If he lines up at tight end, he's mine. If he's in the slot, he's mine. If he's on the right, the left, he's mine. That's, that, you know, that is J.C. Horn. I think it's... I think it's pretty clear who both of them are at this point, Mm -hmm. where you say, okay, Patrick Sertan, you have one question, and that one question is, and neither one of them did the shuttles, but like with Patrick Sertan, how good are we at the the speed and the quickness in short spaces and adjustments and makeup? That's the one question. And with J.C. Horn, the one question is, can I get you to stop grabbing on literally every play? (laughs) Uh, So... Like and that's who they are. And I like the guy who who's who covers guys no matter where they go. I like the guy that's going to annoy a wide receiver or tight end all day. Um, so yeah, I'm J.C. Horn for me is cornerback one. And I think if you picked either one of those guys at ten, you've made a fine pick. I, I think you could you know really make a strong argument for either one of these players. Um, and I think you know what Jeff. I agree with a lot of what Jeff just said in terms of Sertan having the higher floor. Uh, you just have a better idea of what he brings. You wish he had a little better twitch, but he that just that's not his game. He's not the most twitchy player. But I love with Sertan just how the game slows down for him and how controlled he plays. I'm taking that guy um, ten times out of ten. Now I still really like J.C. Horn, but you know as I, how. Over aggressive he plays. Uh, I mean, just a flag magnet. Uh, five penalties in seven games uh, this past year in 2020. Um, he just—that's his game. That I'd, I'd rather have a guy like that and try to bring him back and add more discipline to his game, as opposed to a guy that you try to crank up and be more aggressive. So you know, I'm, I'm still fine with J.C. Horn there. Um, but you know, this is a player that. Uh, I, he's not a great tackler. Uh, way too many missed tackles. That bothered me a little mm-hmm. bit for a guy that's as, as aggressive as he is. The ball production. He's a throw. He just throws his body around. He's like he's he, not afraid what? to tackle. He's just not a good tackler. Right. He'll drop his eyes and just throw his body around. That's exactly what he does. Um, and then I didn't love the body or the the ball production. Uh, both his picks came in one game, and then the other what twenty nine games he had zero picks. Um, you know, solid in terms of pass breakups, but not the best ball production for a player you're considering in the top 10. Um, but, you know, I, I, I do really like J.C. Horn. Um, you know, hey, Mike McCarthy uh, at one time coached his dad. So there's a little bit of a connection there, a uh, family <laughs> connection. I don't know if I mean, that's a good thing or bad his, thing. Uh, that's how he picks his backup quarterbacks is which guy yep. does his family know from middle school. So no, oh, I, I think fans would be <laughs> I think fans would be appalled at some of the the nepotism and some of the uh, you know different connections that led to some draft picks and hirings and all that. So it's it's kind of crazy. All that stuff is relevant. No, you're. I, I would just say. Go ahead, Kyle. No, no, go for it, KT. No, no, go for it, KT. Well, I'll be quick. I, I was just saying for me. The discussion, like, I mean, Jeff's been on this for a month, and uh, Dane, you might have been on this for a month of talking. Like, we should be talking about Horn at 10. To me, at 10, J.C. Horn is still a bit of a reach, but that doesn't mean I hate the guy, you know? Like, I still like the player. He's just, he's my 17th overall player, and he was 18 before the Farley thing happened. Hmm. So it's still a little bit of a, like, what are you doing at 10? And Sertan is a little safer. Uh the thing that bothers me, and I'm a bit of um, uh, kind of contradicting myself here because Farley's not some great tackler or anything, and I really love Farley's tape, 
but I've really tried to prioritize tackling after a few things. One, uh, being real high on Grant Delpit uh, from LSU. Hmm. Two, that whole what Bill Belichick and Nick Saban documentary on HBO. Like, hey, I'm not going to ignore what these guys are saying in this documentary. And the first thing they talk about when looking for a defender, especially a defensive back, is can they tackle? And Sertan has, like, foundational skills as a tackler. Mm -hmm. You do not see that with J.C. Horn. And you don't always see him doing a good job of getting off blocks on the outside and things like that. Again, I like J.C. Horn a lot. I just – at 10, if Sertan is there, I'll do it. If Sertan is not there – I'm happy to pick Horn at 10, but I need to know what else is there because that would not be my number one option. I can guarantee you that he would not be my number one option at pick 10. He would not be the highest-ranked player on my board. With that being said, and with the Farley news coming out, initially, whenever J.C. Horn's name was brought up, he was brought up in a trade-back scenario. He He was brought up as a person you could maybe fall back in the draft, go to the late teens, and hope he falls to you. How likely is that now? Because he's going to be the second corner taken off the board, most likely. I don't want to put in absolutes right now, of course, because it's the NFL draft. But he's probably going to be the second corner off the board. So does it make it less likely or at least less far you would have to drop in order to keep him on your board, KT, if you wanted him to be in your lap, let's say, in the late teens? Well, yeah, I think that's what teams might be coming up for now is cornerback one. What if teams have Sertan as their clear cornerback one? That might be something you come up for. Uh, Rashawn Slater might be something you come up for. Kyle Pitts might be something you come up for. Or one of the quarterbacks. And maybe, maybe one of the top three wide receivers, but I probably feel less certain about that given how many, you know, how much wide receiver depth there is. But that might be some, there, that's where some of the action might be. Or the idea that some teams go, I got to get ahead of Dallas. Dallas might want to take a cornerback at 10. True. Let me jump up to nine where Denver is and get there. And Denver, I think, very well could take a corner. I don't know if signing Ronald Darby stops them. I don't know if getting Kyle Fuller stops them uh, completely from getting a cornerback. They, they might still be, uh, get some of that action with mm-hmm. Fangio as the head coach. So, like, I think that's a possibility. But, you know, I think Denver could also get the heck out of there. So, I, like, I, 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 to me, it's ideally, like, it's an ideal situation to trade back. But I've said it a million times, and you guys know it. Like, look, you can't guarantee the phone's going to ring. They wanted the phone to ring when they picked Jalen Smith. True. The phone didn't ring. I don't. You don't trade back with a specific goal of landing J.C. Horn. Hmm. You trade back with a group of three or four names that you're comfortable with. Um, and maybe J.C. Horn's at the top of that list, but you're equally uh, comfortable with a Greg Newsom or uh, you know whoever else. Because I think if you're trading back, you're going to be dis- disappointed because there'd be a good chance J.C. Horn's off the board by the time you're picking. And corner is too premier a position to play games with that. True, if, you, yeah. if you like him, you pick him. Even if you think, oh, man, this is four spots early. I wish I could pick him at 15 or six, pick him. It's, it's too important a position. Yeah. Especially whenever it's these top prospects and you're, you're splitting hairs back and forth to try and figure out who is who and, and where they rank. Yeah, no, I'm right there with you, Jeff. I think that's a great way to put it. Uh, I mean, no, honestly, BPA is still going to be an offensive player. We don't have to it acknowledge is. that, but BPA is still going to be an offensive player. It's true. Does this make, uh, just real quickly before we go into Twitter on the 20, but does this make it more likely that Rashawn Slater is the pick outside of Sertan or Horn? I think, and I could be wrong, I think they're realistic board. We're being realistic here. We're rolling out. It's, it's, it's not fun to roll out wide receivers, but just for the sake of this conversation. I think their board is Sewell, Sertan, Slater, wow. Pitts. Wow. So, so you have Sertan I, above I, Slater? Sertan above Slater. Yes. Okay. I mean, I, that's what I think they would do. I've got Slater graded quite a bit higher than Sertan. Oh, okay. But You're like, talking in the shoes of the Cowboys front Sewell. office. You just put Kyle Pitts behind three other humans? That's what they would do. I don't have him there. Kyle he's, F and Pitts? He's my third rated <laughs> player. I think they would I think they would do that. Kyle Pitts is gonna be know. in a Marvel movie one day because he's a superhero with superpowers. <laughs> You'd be nice yeah. to Kyle Pitts. No no CGI needed. <laughs> yeah, uh, right. Does all his own no, stunts. Uh, <laughs> oh exactly. no, Magneto's here and Kyle Pitts runs a post corner and dunks on his head. <laughs> uh 
Wow, okay, my mind's taking me places now. Um, so, it, it, with the Cowboys, I mean, we don't know what their board's going to look like, but I do think that J.C. Horn essentially probably replaces Farley. And so, but we don't know, you know, where Slater and Pitts and the corners, where they fall in terms of, the, you know, what they want. I think, you know, it's, it, it's, it's tough to know that. Uh, I mean, at this point, what, three years ago, you know, we were starting to see that, okay, Leighton Van Der Esch, you know, this is, this is their guy. We were starting to see that um, around this time. And so I still think that we're entering the point in the process where uh, we're, we're picking up clues and starting to figure it out. I think that's kind of what this part of the, the draft process is, is picking up those clues and trying to figure it out. So we're trying to do it the best we can here on the draft show, and we're going to try and answer your questions the best we can whenever we come back on the other side of the break. It's time for some Twitter on the 20. We'll do that next when we return on the draft show presented by Miller Lite. Sometimes nothing beats a classic. Miller Lite, the original light beer, brewed with great taste and only 96 calories, available for delivery. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. 96 calories, 3.2 carbs per 12 ounces. We're back with a tasty treat that's sweeping airwaves and taste buds. It's new Dr. Pepper and Cream Soda. Let's take a listen. Dr. Pepper and Cream Soda's here. A new combo that's music to my ears, okay. Let's play. Cream Soda and Dr. Pepper time. Pour it in a glass of ice. Ah, music to my ears and mouth. New Dr. Pepper and Cream Soda. A delicious duet. Hey, Cowboys fans, if you're thinking about attending a game this season, visit CowboysTravel.com to book your travel package today. Stay at the team hotel, have dinner with a Cowboys legend, and experience AT&T Stadium's exclusive VIP Owners Club. Also, tour the star, get autographs from your favorite players, and talk X's and O's with me, Mickey Spagnola. The official travel partner of the Dallas Cowboys will take care of all your travel needs. Visit CowboysTravel.com. There's nothing as unique as our eyes, which is why Essilor pioneers ways to make lenses as unique as you. Verilux for super sharp vision, Essential Blue for protection, and Crizol for freedom from glare. Three cutting-edge solutions in a single unique lens. So whatever your needs, insist on Essilor. Visit your local Essilor experts and find the perfect lens for you. See more. Do more. Essilor. Sometimes nothing beats a classic. Miller Lite, the original light beer. Brewed with great taste and only 96 calories. Available for delivery. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. 96 calories, 3.2 carbs per 12 ounces. This is the DallasCowboys.com Draft Show. Back here for the DallasCowboys.com Draft Show as it is a beautiful Thursday morning here from the Star in the SWBC Mortgage Studios. Time now for some Twitter on the 20. Twitter on the 20. As always, Chris Beam punching those buttons in the back and doing a fantastic job of doing so. And guys, we got through six whole questions on Tuesday's Twitter on the 20. It was a blazing start. And we've got 65 questions to answer on this edition. So let's try and get through as many as we potentially can. I'm going to rapid fire these at you. So I'm going to start with you, Dane. Where are you guys projecting Pete Werner, Ohio State? Where do you think he's going to potentially end up? That question coming from Jake. Uh, I think he's probably late third, early fourth. You know, kind of like that borderline top 100. Um, you know, he's he's a quality player. I think the biggest, best thing about him is the versatility. Uh, you know, you can leave him on the field all four downs, uh, play special teams, can hold up in coverage. Uh, I, I really, he's a very heady player. I love his eyes, uh, the way he plays. He's always chasing. So I don't know that he's a playmaker. Uh, there's some inconsistent tendencies there, but. Plays with range. Um, his sights are always on the football. So, you know, you could – I want a player like that on my team. I, I just – I don't want to necessarily have to pay a top 100 price for him. But, you know, I don't – I think if you can get him early day three, fourth round, you're going to – you're not going to regret that pick. I got him in the exact same spot. I, I think um, – I am a sucker for the, like, what jumps out at you on tape from a guy. So, like, Baron Browning, the Ohio State linebacker, he kind of has that for me. Yeah. Where it's like, wow, look at that burst. Look at the closing burst. Holy cow. 
And with Werner, it's just more kind of steady. And I'm like, man, your athleticism isn't jumping out. Playmaking ability isn't jumping out. Like, could he become an NFL starter? I guess. He's steady. But there was nothing about him that wowed me. And if you don't wow me with anything, you end up in the fourth round. Yeah, and for context, just where I have him, um, fourth round, I have him in the same area as in terms of linebackers, you know, uh, Hafenga. I don't have Hafenga as a safety. And uh, Monty Rice, Georgia, kind of in that fourth round area. And then, you know, we have worse players uh, in the fifth round, of course. But, yeah, same, 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 same way how I felt about uh, about Warner. I thought the best thing that he did, the best thing that he did that made me, like, really, uh, you know, wake up would be was when he was blitzing. I thought that was his best his best attribute. Now, I map it out my top 100 um, that will be up in the Athletic next week, Woo! and he was one of the five, the first five that I left off. Oh, wow. Um, so he, he was very, very close, um, but, you know, just missed the cut for me. So just barely missing the cut of the top 100. That's pretty good. I wish I was a top 100 on Dane's draft board. Um, let's go to Connor huh? on Twitter. Connor NFL Draft. He does great work. But he said, what's the knock on Melifonwu? The physical and athletic traits are off the charts. He has impressive tape against top competition, such as Clemson and UNC. But what do you think about Melifonwu and his knock against really his draft stock early in this one? And Jeff, I know you've talked about him on multiple occasions. Well, I think most, well, I don't want to actually speak for anybody else. I'll just speak for me. I don't think that having somebody as like a second round player is having a big knock on him. I think you can have other guys that you feel a little bit more comfortable with. Like, I feel like um, Greg Newsome, when I watch him, like, I'm just, I'm more comfortable watching him as a, as a cover three, as an ability to process what's happening around him, as a zone player. It's just a matter of when you start stacking up guys in individual rounds to me all you're doing is saying you know the combination of everything that they have i'm either more comfortable or i trust him more or i like that he can do more different things i got melifon Wu as a second round player so i don't have major knocks on him i love the athleticism mm-hmm. i think you're just all you're doing is stacking up a bunch of guys that you like can i just say one thing first of all one of my knocks here is that he doesn't put his mouthpiece in. So when he's backpedaling, his mouthpiece is bouncing around and dangling off his off his helmet, and that really bothers me. But I noticed this, and I don't like want to come across as um, you know, hey, uh, you know, tuck your shirt in, kid. But I noticed a few times where he takes steps off, not taking plays off necessarily, but would sometimes take steps off. There's a play, um, and what game is that in? Let's see if I have it right here. There's a play. Uh, I don't know what game it was. I'm uh, sorry. But there's a play where the, he, he had shown this tendency throughout the game. It might have been North Carolina. He had uh, shown this tendency throughout the game to just kind of, if the ball's going the other side, okay, that's fine. Just kind of, you know, we're not, we're not working real hard. Well, the quarterback then, this is like in the second half, the quarterback looks to the right and then comes back to the left real quickly on a slant route and he gets torched mm. and I'm like dude you weren't ready to go on that snap and like you would see it multiple times there were snaps where he just wasn't ready to go I love the player I think he's great I just think a little tightening up on discipline like dude when he was an alpha at Syracuse right so it's yeah. like I get it like you don't have to take every play 100% like go 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 like you're Rudy right he's not th- that type of deal but that was like that was a thing that did bother me and I don't know if there's a little bit of knowing what we knew about his older brother thrown into that, but maybe there is. I'm only here. Mm, his brother didn't play very hard. He does. Yeah, and, and look, he's guilty of coasting at times too, but he's supposed to, I mean, talking to everybody I've talked to says he's just wired differently than his brother. So that's good. I don't, I don't know that's as big of a concern. Um, I, For me, another guy, kind of like Horn, where just makes way too much contact. Um, I think he had six flags last year alone. Hmm. So, you know, a guy that's physical, and that's great. I mean, I, I'm i not saying he should be a fourth rounder. Um, it's just one of those things that is, you know, I would take a little bit of issue with. He needs to dial it back. He needs to be more disciplined. Um, he's so long-legged that it, it takes him just a half second to unfurl those long legs um, and to turn and go. And sometimes against really speedy receivers, that'll, it'll be a lot more obvious. So, you know, he just, he's a really good player. Um, but 
when you're in this cornerback class and you're stacking Melifonwu with guys like Stokes and Tyson Campbell and Kelvin Joseph and uh, all these corners that are in that second round range, it's just it's the smallest little details that might be the difference for some teams. I definitely think so, and and I mean it's a question that's going to continue to be asked about. I mean his taking plays off I mean KT brought up a great point I'm going to have to go back and watch that North Carolina game because I want to see exactly what you're talking about Uh, this next question comes from Larry and while we're talking about safeties that are right in that area how about Jamar Johnson safety from Indiana and this is a guy who we were asked about on Tuesday we didn't really know a whole lot about it and that was a homework assignment for us but I mean he's graded really high on a couple of draft boards but Dane where do you have him on on yours well, he did make my top 100. Wow! So uh, there's that. Um, you know, he, I I do worry about him as a run defender, um, and that's why he. I think he's number 100 actually. Um, so that's why he's not 100 and not you know in the top 60 or top 50. Is he's a little choosy as a tackler at times, and that that bugs me. But this is a guy that's fluid. He's got range. Uh, he can go make plays on the ball. Just ask Justin Fields. Mm. Um, you know, he he just a a really rangy corner or wide, uh, safety who can play both sidelines. Uh, he had four interceptions this past year and only eight games. Um, there's there's a lot to like about what he offers in the back half of the field. Yeah, I mean, I only seen one game, so I don't have a, you know a ton of credentials to speak on him. I didn't see you know the, the like explosive type traits. It's like I had had decent speed and things like that. So that's still hard to tell. Got got more work to do on him, and I just got the Maryland game. So yeah, no, I mean, I think I have more work to do on him as well. I haven't really watched him at all. I didn't get a chance yesterday. I'm going to do that today though, and I'm going to tweet about it as well whenever I'm watching him. All right, so this next one, I think this is a great question from Mike on Twitter. He said, "Take away all the other factors." If you could pick one linebacker to fit Dan Quinn's new defensive system and plug him into this defense, which of those would you choose? And Jeff, he singled you out on this question. He said, besides Jeff, who will take Nick Bolton regardless of fit? But if that's your choice, that's your choice. But if, if you had to choose a linebacker out of this draft class to fit this new defense, which one would you choose? Well, that's a terrible question because the answer is too easy. I mean, I'm taking JOK. Yeah. If if I just get to pick whoever I want, I'm taking because now we're assuming that Dan Quinn. We're drawing a picture of sort of a cover three, and then I'm drawing a picture of um, the speed linebackers that he's had with him with Deion Jones in Atlanta. And so I'm going, okay, don't mind undersized, and you want guys that can fly around and make tackles for loss. Uh, then I would go Jeremiah Wusu Koromoa. I think that that would be my easy one. Um, Micah Parsons will fit anything. But, yeah, I'll go undersized, fly around, make plays in the backfield. I'll go JOK. And they just signed Keanu Neal to play that role. So. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. True. They already got him. Is that what, what you would choose, KT? Oh, yeah. No, that that's, that's the fit right there. Um, now, if you wanted to, like, you know, well, it's too late now, but if you wanted to go ahead and do the Jalen thing, then, hey, we can talk about Nick Bolton, and we can talk about Zayvon Collins, and we can have that fun. But, uh, you know, we don't need to. When's Kentucky's pro day? I want to see how Jamin Davis tests. I'm a big fan of his. I just want to see how he tests. That's a great question. Dane, do you know when Kentucky's player. pro day is? Yeah, I think it's Dane. next week, but... What the hell? Yeah, it's probably uh, somewhere. I don't... I don't. You don't have every pro day on the top of your head? That's unfortunate. No, I do not. Uh, March <laughs> He's got 31st. every player. <laughs> All right. Okay, so yeah, later in the week. March so, 31st, yeah. Uh, let's, this next question comes from Carson. He said, what are some of the weaknesses of Jalen Phillips, the edge rusher out of Miami, and not uh-huh. counting his injuries? So no injury, red flags. What are the, what are the weaknesses for Mr. Jalen Phillips? I think the whole – it seems like a lot of people uh, have momentum for him as the top edge rusher in the class. I tell you, to me, um, Dane or KT can take you through all the medical history, which is obviously there. Uh, I think I think Jalen Phillips is a good pass rusher because I think that he's a developed pass rusher. Like, we talk about it a lot with guys, do you have a plan? And I think he has ways that he can win inside and out. I like the body type. I think that there's a lot to like. Um, 
I don't think he's a great run player. Like, I don't think he has great natural power, and I don't think that he's a, quote, bendy guy in terms of turning the corner. I think he's more linear. But I think he's a good pass rusher with a plan, his feet, with his hands and his feet that can win inside and out. So in this pass rush class, I think that there is a there's a solid chance that that's a first round pick. Uh, but I don't think that he's a. I think he's a good prospect, not necessarily a great prospect. Okay, I want to say this in the most respectful way possible, because this is the part of the job that's easy for me to talk about because I don't have to do it. We need to find out more about him because a I can't have a moped guy. Uh, he got hit by a car when he was on a moped, broke his wrist. Uh, two, the music thing. <laughs> I'm, I'm serious. I'm serious. Okay. He can play like multiple instruments and wants to like produce music. And his grandpa's like a dean of music at a university. Like he's like, is he more talented as a musician than a football player? He might be. Like, le- mm-hmm. like legitimately, that might be the case. Like truly, and I and I agree with Jeff. I don't. I didn't see a good run player, but I saw a guy who could find a way to get to the quarterback. And a guy who could get in the backfield pretty consistently, and and that's that's good enough to go top fifteen for me. Hmm. No, he uh, music's his first passion. He said that, so you know it's it, that's something that is at least discussed with uh, NFL scouts. I, I with Jalen Phillips, I I got flashbacks. Uh, you, you see little flashes of the Bosas because like what what. Jeff and KT were talking about with just how developed he is as a pass rusher, with the way he'll use his hands, um, how he's more smooth than sudden, um, and so he, he has a, a plan when he attacks uh, attacks the pocket, and he can win in different ways. Uh, you know, he'll use a, a two-handed swipe, or you know, he'll dip his shoulder and, and work the edge. He can win in these different ways, and he's very calculated. Uh, but it's not also at the same time, it's not. Uh, it's not robotic. It's very natural for him. So, you know, there's a lot to like about Jalen Phillips, but you can't ignore the off-field, um, can't ignore the medicals, that kind of thing, and that's certainly a – could be an anchor on his draft grade. Um, you know, I don't I – don't, he's a tough guy to project. Uh, he has first-round ability. Is he going to go in the first round? Maybe. He might. Uh, but he might also might fall to the second round. It's definitely been a fun player to listen to, or excuse me, watch uh, during his times. I mean, I I guess he's a fun player to listen to as well whenever you talk about his music. Uh, How about Roy Roy on Twitter? He said, obviously, we aren't looking for a quarterback one in this draft, but is there a QB two that would be worth talking about or as an undrafted free agent? Hmm. Uh, I don't Go know. Ahead, Any of these quarterbacks. You can do it, Dane. <laughs> I mean, I, I like Davis Mills a lot, but I uh, they're not drafting a quarterback in the first four rounds. I was about to say, he'd um, go pretty high, right? You know, if, uh, yeah, I, I think he's got a shot to go on day two. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I don't know. Maybe if, like, a Kyle Trask falls far enough, you know, maybe I, I consider that. But, you know, I still probably going to go higher than I would want to draft him. I don't know. It, it, Ian Book. I'd be, you know, if we're talking seventh round and Ian Book's still around, I'd be okay with that. I like Ian Book quite mm-hmm. a bit um, as a late round guy because of his mobility and what he, uh, what he brings in that respect. So, Ian Book would be if I'm the Cowboys and I'm looking sixth, seventh round, and I, I want to throw a dart at a quarterback, I, I'd be comfortable with Ian Book. Well, just Notre Dame. Uh, just a reminder, if, when you're talking about Kyle Trask, Nussmeyer recruited Kyle Trask to Florida. And, of course, Nussmeyer here is the quarterback coach for the Cowboys. Plus, Dan Quinn, I know this is on the defensive side of the football, but he was down there as well during that time. So, I don't know. Maybe there is a Florida connection on the offensive side of the football, but maybe Kyle Trask is in that conversation. Now, I had a couple questions that asked this. Is there a potential we should be talking about Christian Barmore, the defensive tackle from Alabama, at 10? Because I feel like we've we've kind of pigeonholed that pick to the cornerbacks in, in either Sertan or Horn or in terms of offensive tackle or Kyle Pitts. I mean, that's kind of where we're at with pick number 10. But is there any chance whatsoever that Christian Barmore slips into that? If they do it, be disappointed in your football team. That's too early. I mean, I, I like Barmore's potential, but you got to realize, like, look, he was great in the college football playoff, and defensive tackles who can rush the passer have a lot of value. But if I'm going to pick a guy in the top ten, man, he better be a starter on his college football team. 
Alabama clearly didn't trust him as a run player. Like they, he was not a full time starter at Alabama. So like he's got a lot of good tools that you like for a defensive tackle. And if you can rush the quarterback up the middle, you've got value. But if they pick him at ten, honestly, I, I think Barmore in any other D tackle class, he doesn't go in the first round. And in this one, maybe he does because I think he's the best D tackle prospect. But if he goes in the first, it's because of the class, not necessarily him. I think that's fair. Uh, it's easy to sell uh, Barmore because he's a guy that just he doesn't stay blocked very long. He's too powerful. Uh, he's too active. He's, he moves too well for a guy that's you know that size, six four, three hundred and twenty-ish pounds, um, and only a redshirt sophomore. Six career starts. Uh, you know, there's there's a lot of ability there waiting just to be uh, untapped. But I, I agree with a lot of what Jeff said. And I'd also point out that. Defensive tackle is a position that this team just does not value uh, in the first round. They they haven't in a long time, mm-hmm. and it would be against type and a big surprise if they went with Barmore at 10. Yeah, I mean, like he's around my 20th to 21st you know, rated player. It's just we're talking about picking 10th. Uh, the worst-case scenario, like I know there's been like so, so much chatter on positions and stuff, but the worst-case scenario is just you know busting on a guy. Who knows? And that could always happen. I think Barmore – the, the conversation with Barmore should only be about if you trade back or if you put your picks together and trade it up uh, to the, you know, if you put 44 and 75 together, you know, you can get somewhere in the mid-20s, uh, early to mid-20s, hopefully. Um, if you, uh, maybe the Jets say, hey, uh, we want pick 10, here's pick 23 and 34. All right, well, then we can start talking about Barmore. Sure. So uh, that to me, I think it's just, I think it's just too early right there at 10. We're, we're in primo position at 10. We, we lost just enough games. <laughs> just to sneak inside the uh. top 10. Now, a final question here before we take our next break. But Brian asked on Twitter, he said, if everyone thinks that Kyle Pitts, of course, tied in out of Florida, is a future pro Hall of Famer, how can you pass on him at 10? And I feel like this is a question right up the alley for Jeff Cavanaugh. And he said, why Why would your team do that? And could they trade Jarwin Schultz for anything if they decided to do so? That's a good question. I mean, if he's going to be a Hall of Famer, why not Kyle Pitts at 10? Uh, the way you talk yourself out of Kyle Pitts, my answer is you don't. You can't pass on Kyle Pitts. You pick him. If he's available, you pick him. And I don't think he'll be available. That would be my guess. Mm-hmm. Um the only reason I could find is because I am a believer in any information I can get. And you can build the case of, hey, let's look at the history of tight ends in the NFL draft and what happens when you pick them in the first round. But then I also compared that to I'm not here to scout helmets or the history of a position. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just because the NFL got it wrong and didn't pick Travis Kelsey or George Kittle high enough is no reason to miss. If you believe in that Kyle Pitts – is going to be an amazing NFL player, you pick him. It doesn't matter. I don't care what helmet sticker you wear. I don't care what the listed position is in the history of NFL teams picking them. Kyle Pitts is one of the five or six best players in the draft. If you have the opportunity to pick him at 10, you do because he's the best player. It reminds me of the Quentin Nelson conversation a few years ago uh, where you don't generally draft guards in the top 10, uh, let alone the top six where he ended up going. But a lot of people, uh, smart people around the league, thought he was the best player in the draft. So, you know, it's I don't think he, he makes it to 10 for that reason. He's just one of the best players in the draft, regardless of position. And those guys, you just shouldn't pass on those guys. One of those teams is going to be like, we, we just can't pass on him. Um, but if he's there at 10, yeah. I, I'm not going to be the guy that passes on, on, on Kyle Pitts. Uh, that's, that, that, that would be my philosophy towards it. Um, now, I, I don't think it's fair to put the Hall of Fame label on him as for a guy that's never suited up in an NFL game before. Sure. Um, but I think it's an easy guy to fall in love with because he's just very unique, very rare. Kyle Pitts, the type... Kyle Pitts's aren't just walking around. Uh, they're just very, very rare players. And so I'm, I'm jumping at the chance to add that to my offense. He's going to the Eagles at six. Oh, so. God. <laughs> you're, I mean, you're I probably I, right. I mean, you, just, you, have to, you have to. Maybe. You maybe. I, he, or five. 
Um, yeah, five's possibility. Yeah, I, like I, one of those teams are going to be like, we're not going, we can't pass can't on. Pass. He's too good. Yeah, you don't, you can't, you can't narrow it down to. He plays tight end, and tight ends that were picked high haven't done well. What you have to narrow it down to is who is he? And the answer is, mm-hmm. uh, if you're a corner who is six foot tall, you're not big enough to cover Kyle Pitts. If you are a human who is six foot two, six foot three, six foot four, you're not quick enough to cover Kyle Pitts. And if you're six foot four and you are quick enough to cover Kyle Pitts, I got bad news for you. He's going to outplay you for the ball anyway. Like he's he's a stud. You don't, and he's getting better and better and better. Yeah. I mean, we have to remember his trajectory. In high school, he was pretty much basically a blocker. All right, He didn't get a chance to show this off. And he was a late to tight end. Uh, yeah. he, he only played tight end his final two years of high school. Uh, his first year at Florida didn't do much. Hit 2019 tape, a lot of drops. I still had him as my 11 player on the board in August because I was so infatuated with this athleticism for So we lost Dane, but he was making a great point on exactly what Kyle Pitts brings, and and especially whenever it comes to picking him at 10. There's a part of me that just hopes that Kyle Pitts is not there at 10 because then the Cowboys don't have to worry about it. But also there's a part of me that, I mean, a huge part of me that doesn't want him to end up in the NFC East because I don't want to have to worry about him twice a year or against other teams, and that's my biggest thing. So whenever KT said six to the Eagles, it makes one way too much sense and two scares the living daylights out of me. So overall, I would rather not have Kyle Pitts in that regard. But we're going to go ahead and step aside. That was Twitter on the 20. Fantastic questions as always. Thank you for your support and for your questions. Hey, we got to a lot of them that time. I love that. When we come back, though, Kyle Pitts had a fantastic pro day, and so did some of those Cowboys' top targets. We're going to round up some of the pro day's news and notes when we return on the DallasCowboys.com Draft Show. Sometimes nothing beats a classic. Miller Lite, the original light beer, brewed with great taste and only 96 calories, available for delivery. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. 96 calories, 3.2 carbs per 12 ounces. The Cowboys way where 16 Hall of Famers and five championships shows us what success looks like, where turkey is always the second best part of Thanksgiving Day, where we are all defined by one single thing, the star, where we as fans know it's our job to keep the tradition going. Bank of America is proud to be the official bank of the Dallas Cowboys and to support the quest of living life the Cowboys way. Copyright 2020, Bank of America Corporation. Honey, big news. Gary, are you okay? Oh, I'm not Gary anymore. I'm Jackie Flash. What? See, I want the latest smartphone, but the best deals are only for new customers. So to get a new customer deal, I changed my name to Jackie Flash. Okay, but the best smartphone deals at AT AT&T are for everyone, new and existing customers. That's huge. Then guess who's getting a deal? Is it Jackie Flash? Jackie Flash. It's not complicated. At AT AT&T, our best smartphone deals are for everyone. Restrictions apply. Visit att.com for details. Before there was a draft, you could size up a cowboy by three simple factors. The crease in his hat, the bend of his brim, and his unbending attitude. A man Stetson didn't just protect him from what life threw at him. It projected a rugged, unstoppable spirit. Stetson hats are still American-made with pride right here in Texas. They're still the unofficial crown of all self-respecting cowboys. And Stetson is proud to be on the field with America's team. Find a retailer nearest you at stetson.com slash cowboys. Sometimes nothing beats a classic. Miller Lite, the original light beer. Brewed with great taste and only 96 calories. Available for delivery. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. 96 calories, 3.2 carbs per 12 ounces. This is the DallasCowboys.com Draft Show. Back here for the final 10 minutes of the DallasCowboys.com Draft Show. Of course, as always, brought to you by Miller Lite. Now, once again, I want to remind you we are switching things up next week in terms of the lineups that are between all of us. And I will get you those updated shifts whenever I can pull it up on my phone. But before then, I want to get into Pro Day news and notes. And, Dane, I mean, really the biggest impressions that were on me whenever it came to Pro Day was, of course, the run from Patrick Sertan on the 40-yard dash. Was it an official 4-4-6 
Is that what the official time was? But that was a lot quicker than I was anticipating. And then, of course, J.C. Horn and what he was able to do at his pro day. But were there any other pro days or those specifically that stood out to you? Those definitely stood out. Um, I don't I don't think either of those two guys, maybe they don't necessarily play to that speed consistently, but, you know, it's I don't, I don't think that they're – uh, you know, speed was a little bit of a question. I think they answered that, obviously, uh, whether or not they actually played at that speed. So great to see from both those corners. They submitted themselves as, you know, top 15, top 17 type, type guys. Um, you know, other pro days, you know, Penn State's going on right now, and Jason Owe and Micah Parsons are both putting on a show, which to be expected. I mean, Micah yep. Parsons is a complete freak. And he said that Jason Owe is a bigger freak, and so far we've seen it. Um, you know, Parsons uh, looked like he was at a four-three. Uh, Jason Owe was at a four-three, and this is a defensive end we're talking about. So, uh, for those asking why a guy with zero sacks is in my first round at a pass rusher, uh, that's exactly why. Because he's a physical freak, and he's still disruptive in the pocket, even if he doesn't have those sack numbers. So, uh, what Penn State's doing right now is certainly jumping off uh, the screen at me. Rondale Moore, um, not that anything that he did was surprising. but All 5'7 of them. He's all 5'7, <laughs> and he's, I forgot what weight he came in at, but surprise, he runs a 4'2'9, and his vertical is a million inches. He's yeah. a stud athlete, he's just tiny. Can we talk about a guy that I know Jeff likes, uh, but I would say his pro day was not uh, excellent. Again, I'm still very skeptical of pro day times. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm never going to get over that, probably. Uh, but Shakur Brown, the cornerback at Michigan State, um, I had him at 5'10", measured out at 5'9". Okay, that's fine. Uh, ran a 4'6'1". I don't know if that's really it. It's not terribly surprising for a pro day, I guess. I mean, I kind of thought... That's I kind of thought for a pro day, KT. Oh, I, I thought I, I thought he did a science project once upon a time where they compared combine and pro day times. And if you're going handheld to combine, in theory, you add about .06. So now my guy is small and runs maybe a four seven. That four hurts seven. my guy. I thought he was a I thought he was a four five guy. I didn't think he was a four four guy. And then you know he got four six one. So yeah. well, a it, disappointing it, pro day. Same thing at your guy, Darius Washington, running the four sixes. That was surprising. I mean, I thought he'd run a little bit better than that. So Dane's going after Jeff's well, guy. Yeah, not, the, well, I, the difference between Brown and Washington is my level of love. So with Washington, <laughs> I don't care because he plays faster than any safety in college football. So we're fine. We're not worried about him. Gotcha. Brown is going to get dropped. It's it's a matter of how much you love. And I love our Darius, and nothing can stop us. And we are making a Billy Madison-style list of everybody who's doubting. We're oh, keeping good. track. <laughs> oh, good. I'm glad that's the case. I love that. Uh, not that we're going to take any action on the list. We just want to know no, I, 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 he's been a fourth rounder for me this entire process, and nothing has changed for me. He's he's going to be the greatest. I can't wait till the Cowboys take him in the fourth because I love drafting Pro Bowlers in the fourth. It's going to be I awesome. Can't, can't wait to call up Jeff like uh, at, at during week eight and say, "Hey, man, I'm sorry, I was wrong about our Darius Washington," and then uh, Jeff marks me off. The, <laughs> Jeff marks me off the list and then puts some lipstick on. <laughs> yeah, and that's those are things I do. Those are things I do all the time. Excuse now, me. Uh, I'm going to do that. Florida State had a, oh. a, a Florida State had a really fast track uh, at their pro day. Uh, Asante Samuel ran really well. Um, he, he came in at 5'10", 180, and he ran at 4.38, which is really good to see wow. for him. Uh, he was under seven seconds in a three cone. Uh, and then the, the pass rushers uh, with Janaris uh, Robinson, um, Kane Doe, both those guys ran really well. It's Marion Terry, uh, the wide receiver at 6'3", 207, ran the 4'4". So uh, Florida State uh, has a a pretty good showing from their athletes. What does that do for Samuel Stock? I mean, whenever it comes to him in in the corners, he's still on the outside looking in of at least what we thought was the original top three with Farley, Sertan, and Horn. But now with it being the top two, is he still on the outside looking in of the top three, or is he right on that cusp? I wouldn't be surprised if he goes in the first round. Uh I got a I got a thing that's happening in my brain with corners because I love I'm a visual person so I love like the spider graphs that show you how what percentile guys are mm-hmm. among prospects but I have a problem with the corner one because we say you're in the hundredth percentile if you're like six foot three like congrats on being tall there is a point where at corner I don't think that's helping you I would much rather my corner be six foot than six four um, so at five ten. 
that doesn't bother me much, uh, other than Clemson throwing jump balls on him. Uh, I, I think Asante Samuel, I don't think his stock, for me anyway, would move because I kind of anticipated 5'10", 4'4", guy, and and really good player, and, and that's what he is. Uh, Dane, I might have to go. I'm not sure, if uh, Jeff, if you've watched this guy. Dane, can you give us a little more on Chauncey Golston from Iowa? Because he had... Outstanding. He had an outstanding uh, pro day as well over at Iowa, yeah. Yeah, I'm a big fan of Chancey Golston. Like, if, if you get to the day three, because he's not going to go top 100, I don't think. Yeah. But you get to day three, he'd be one of those defensive linemen that I'd be itching to get because he gives you inside-outside versatility. Uh, he plays long. He plays quick. He's got a, outstanding instincts, uh, you know, for, for the football. Um, and so he's just a, a well-rounded, uh, polished player who – can start, but I, I think it's more about the versatility he gives you up and down the line. Um, just a quality, quality player who probably more of a role player for you on defense, and you know you need those guys. Uh, you know, so I I would absolutely uh, look to target him in the fourth or fifth round. You'll get four years of cheap NFL football out of him, yeah, and right. he will play all four of them. Hmm. That's good. Right. I like that. Okay. Dan, can you tell me more about Nate Hobbs? Because when you look at his pro day numbers, that kind of stuck out to me as well. Four three eight unofficial on the forty had a six six eight three cone. His vertical was up over forty inches. What what do you, can you say about the corner from Illinois? Uh, all right, let me give you his official. Um, bu- 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 bu. 5'11'3", so 5'11'3", 196 pounds. Okay. Uh, four four six in the forty forty and a half vert. 11-3 broad, 6-8-5-3 cone. Uh, he's a really, hmm. really talented player who uh, got in some trouble. He was a sophomore year, suspended a few games. Uh, he was hurt a little bit this past year. But he's athletic and he's tough. And I would not be shocked at all if he, Hobbs got drafted late. Um, wasn't a combine guy, but I think I thought he did enough at his pro day. And that's what pro days Pay attention to these pro days at uh, this time of year because this is this is where it's guys that show out and you know run really well or do something exceptionally well. Those guys can get into the draft even though they were previously thought of as maybe to be undrafted uh, or PFA type. So Nate Hobbs is one of them. Wouldn't be shocked if he sneaks his way into the late rounds. Nice. Okay, I saw those numbers and they kind of stuck out to me. Now we talked earlier about Jeff having the call or whoever having the call who about Ardarius Washington and being wrong or being right. I'm going to take a moment to tell Dane once again that he was right and that I was wrong because Jalen Darden had his pro day today, and Jalen Darden, the wide receiver out of North Texas, has been my pet cat from day one, even before day one, because of my allegiance to the Mean Green. However, today he ran a 40 time after measuring at five seven and a half. Uh, he ran a 40 time that was in the 4647 range. Still awaiting on the official time, but it was much slower no than way. I anticipated. Mu- Don't back down, four, Kyle. Don't 4647 hey. hey, scares me a lot, Jeff Cavanaugh. On film, he plays faster. Well, he's he's he plays way faster, but it's no, 4647. No there's no is he way. A baller? He is a baller. See, I will say he's a baller. Yes. Don't back down. If the guy's a baller, he's a baller. I don't know. That no, number well, scares hey, me a lot. There's no way, there's no way he's a. He's not a four six athlete. I don't think like, so I don't, either. I, mean, that, no. I don't blew my mind no when way. I saw that I, sign I, I, at that time. That's hey. why you ignore it. You gotta trust the tape. Sometimes you just get to throw stuff out. You say, nah, he's faster than that. I don't care. Now, no, he's fat. I mean, but he is five seven, and that shows up on the tape where yeah, he's just true. a small target. And yeah. you know, there because of that, he he likes to freelance his routes. Uh, you know, he he's just a small target. And for those reasons, I think I don't think he goes top one hundred. But he's still a quality player who, with that speed, I, I mean, I get Jakeem Grant type of vibes from him. So I, I don't know that. Did he stumble? Did, did they mark off a forty-five yard dash? What, something's going on there. Yeah, he's a, he's a. I mean, he's a four-four-five guy. So I'm looking can, at another at tweet. His I'm looking at another tweet right now. His second forty that he ran. Four, first one was in four-six-four-seven, and then unofficial in his second was a four-four-six. So much better. But still not as fast okay, as I was kind of hoping he would go. I thought it'd be like a four. Okay, they had to remeasure it. Yeah. So yeah, he ran put 40, it. He ran forty four yards. He ran forty four instead of the forty straight up. Uh, yeah. Instead, he ran four yeah. thirty eight. 38 yards the next time out, as Brian Broaddus would love to say. But hey, four four six is a lot better than four six. Strong wins. 
<laughs> well, it's Vince indoor. Track. Yeah. yeah, it's, yeah. it's oh, indoor. Yeah, they got well, the indoor lines, working now. You know how it is. It, UNT <laughs> isn't always the best at kind of, you know, measuring things Stop and it. numbers. Chill. You know, figure I'm, that out. I'm going to come and fight you, Mr. ACU. <laughs> hey. We're going to figure it out. We both got to win in the tournament. Just be happy, okay? Goodness gracious. We did it. We did we're, a mu- we're a music and art school. We've never said, hey, UNT, come here for math. I would say we're a broadcasting school. That's what I'm saying. They didn't know where the finish line was. That's not mm. the case either. But uh, that's going to do it for us here on the Draft Show. Glad you've been with us here over the last hour. Once again, hope you've learned something investigating and educating with us. But we'll be back on Tuesday. Completely different set of guys. Tuesday, Brian, Dane, Jeff. That'll be a lot of fun with those guys. And then you can get... What? You can get... What? KT with Bucky and wow. Dave on Thursday. So wow. if you want more KT, he'll be next Thursday as well, the normal time for Mr. Kevin KT Turner. But Tear Bucky up on running backs, KT. It's going to be fun. Oh, get him. This is going to be fun. We'll switch it up every week from here until the draft, and then we'll be back to the normal cruise whenever it's the week of the draft. But until then, for Jeff Cavanaugh, for Kevin KT Turner, Dane Brugler, and, of course, Chris Beam back in studio, I'm Kyle Yeomans. Thanks for joining us here on The Draft Show. This has been a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about this,